Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 272 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine. As you see here, the new issue is out with a feature story on Canelo Alvarez going for undisputed at 168 pounds. And of course, uh, ringtv.com and the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you're catching me live right now. As always, I remind you guys, make sure that you're subscribed and you click that notification bell. If you can't catch me live here on the video, it's all good. You can check out the podcast, the audio podcast, that'll be released tomorrow morning on podcast platforms all around the world. Just look for Montero on Boxing or The Neutral Corner. You'll find me. Make sure you're subscribed on my platforms as well, including right here on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel as well, Montero on Boxing. And guess what? Uh, Starting in July, I'm going to start doing a Friday show consistently. Um, I'm still working out the details, but it's going to be a 30-minute show on Fridays on my channel, Ontario Unboxing. And what we're going to do on that Friday show, we've done a few of these, but we're going to wait until after the weigh-ins and all that good stuff, all the news and and notes that we gather through the week, because we're doing TNC on Monday, right? Well, between Monday and fight nights, which are usually Saturdays, a lot can happen right? Including weigh-ins. There's always weigh-in shenanigans. So we're going to start doing a Friday preview show and that's going to be on my channel. All right. So look out for that. So make sure you subscribe, not only to the ring digital, but to Montero unboxing as well. By the way, if you are a subscriber, I'll go ahead and remind you, uh, this month's issue of ring, you get a special, uh, special edition Showbox 20th anniversary special, uh, insert. So that's pretty damn cool, man. Who else is doing that? Who else is providing that kind of value to the subscriber? Ring Magazine, number one in the business, baby. And of course, when you're number one in the business, you got a lot of detractors. And uh, if you guys haven't seen my video on my channel, Montero Unboxing, I did a video last week just exposing some dudes that tried to say things about Ring that just are not true. And once these clowns get exposed, they all disappear. They all disappear. Anyway, all right, guys, a reminder, TNC uh, 272 for the week of July 3rd. And uh, again, for my friends and family here in the United States, July 4th is upon us this weekend. That means for us in America, it's a three-day weekend, holiday weekend, Independence Day for our country. It also symbolizes that the year is halfway over. 2021 is already halfway through. It's like, holy hell, this year is flying by so fast. And we get to blow shit up, right? I won't be drinking this weekend. I'm going to be you know, dieting. I got to be good about my diet, no cake, no cannoli, no beers, but I'm probably going to blow some shit up. You celebrate the independence of your country by blowing up a little part of it. (laughs) I got some illegal fireworks that are uh, not quite legal here in Atlanta, in the state of Georgia, but I just went just north of the border to the Carolinas and grabbed me some shit that flies hundreds of feet in the air and blows up. It's loud as hell. I can't wait to get all the dogs screaming and barking down the block. Anyway, all right. Boxing news. That's what we're here for, right? So let me get right to it, man. Let's get to this uh, fight. Or not fight preview. Look, I'm skipping ahead. We're getting to news and notes. News and notes. All right. So, um, okay. First things first. Uh, we are not going to do TNC this coming Monday, July 5th. Okay. So this version, uh, this episode of TNC, we're going to preview a couple weeks worth of fights. And there's a few few fights going on, nothing too crazy big, but a few fights that we'll look at real quick. But we won't be on next Monday, 
but we will be back the following following Monday, July 12th. And that'll be just in time to preview the great fight between Jamel Charlo and Brian Castaño. I love that fight. Uh, It's the best fight PBC has offered in a long, long time, especially off pay-per-view. So I'm excited for that fight, man. So we'll be back next, next Monday, July 12th, and we'll preview that big, big fight. Okay, uh, as far as news and notes, man, uh, Nonito Donaire and John Rael Casimero, I'm sure you guys have seen the back and forth um, on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you've seen Rachel Donaire, who not only manages her husband, Nonito, but now trains him. Um, just going back and forth with Sean Gibbons, who is, I think, the president of Manny, of Manny Pacquiao Promotions um, and represents Casimero and several Filipino fighters, including, of course, Pacquiao. Uh, they've been going back and forth about VADA testing, right? So uh, I've been in the know with this situation for weeks because you guys know I, I did a preview piece for the next issue of Ring, and this fight's changed a, a billion times, right? It was supposed to be Rigondiao or Rigondo, however you want to say it, versus uh versus casimero then that blew up then it was donaire casimero then this weekend a lot of people were out there saying that this fight was off because sean gibbons and team casimero said that they were enrolled in vada testing but they that's true to an extent but they were invited they were enrolled in the wbc's clean boxing program which is administered by vada but that is not the same thing as the full vada program which that that tests that that tests for over a hundred banned substances set by wada world anti-doping they set the standards for all the anti-doping groups to follow they have a a, um, in competition prohibited list and an out of competition prohibited list there are some banned substances athletes are according to wada they're allowed to take if they're out of competition which I think is kind of crazy, and Vada agrees with me. So they don't distinguish between in or out of competition. They test you for everything uh, that that um, platform. It's over 100 banned substances, right? When you're doing the clean boxing program, uh, it's a little different. And when you're doing state commission testing, it's very different because they don't test for 10% of what the full Vada program, well, maybe more than 10%, but 20-30% of what the full Vada program test for. So I'm not going to get into an hour-long rant about testing stuff. I know some of this stuff. The minutia drives some of you insane. So I won't do that right here. But as of this weekend, as of last week, I should say, Casimero was not enrolled in the full Vada program, and that is what Donaire's side wanted. So as far as I know, it's all been worked out. Casimero's side has agreed to do the full Vada program because Donaire's side demanded it. Props to them. I, I tweeted a week or so ago that Nonito Donaire is a certifiable badass just because of who he's fought in his career. But also, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, of course. But he's the only pro boxer that has been doing VADA completely at his expense, paying for the full VADA program for years, basically since they started. Canelo did it for one year after he tested positive for clenbuterol. Uh, but then after that year, he, he did it re-up. Now, he's been doing it for his fights, but he's not doing it 365. The one guy who has sta- stood by that all along is Nonito Donaire. And as far as I know, he's the one guy consistently in all fight sports, hell, maybe all sports, period, including like the NBA, the NFL, all team sports here in America. He's the only guy that's doing this 
true 365 and he's paying for it out of his pocket. Remember, voluntary is the first word in VADA. All right, the fighters pay for it outside of the clean boxing program, which the WBC pays for, but it's grossly underfunded. I applaud the WBC. But anyway, so this got worked out. So you guys probably saw a bunch of tweets and posts and videos and and uh, all sorts of um, articles about, oh, this fight's canceled and sources, fight canceled, right? Because everyone's got to be first on boxing Twitter, on boxing social media. Everyone's got to be first, right? They got to break the news so they can look like a big fucking hero. Me, I'm old school. I talk to people behind the scenes, the people involved in the actual situation, and I wait to see until the people involved actually make announcements publicly themselves. So uh, I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger on some of the tweets and I waited on this one because this fight's going to happen. It's been a lot of drama, but it will happen. Okay, And I love the fight. This fight is going to be on August 14. It's in a perfect location. PBC really got this one right. And I applaud Casimero. First of all, I applaud Rachel Donaire, who I think is the manager of the year so far in all of boxing. But Rachel and Nonito for demanding full VADA testing. And they had to go public and be a little nasty and use their connections with VADA to confirm some things. Now, maybe Sean Gibbons and, and his and Casimero's team, they were just maybe ignorant to, to the difference between clean boxing program and the full VADA program. The, the, the protocols are different there. Uh, but now they know. They're enrolled. It's all good. By the way, I'm going to put this on record. There is not full VADA testing for the Manny Pacquiao versus Errol Spence Jr. fight. It is standard commission testing, which anybody with third grade elementary level math can, can if they're knowingly doping and trying to be dirty, they can pass a commission test. It's not very difficult. You could just go drink a gallon of freaking water and go work out and dilute your urine and pass one of those tests. Okay, they're a joke. So VADA officials may be administering the tests, collecting the samples and, and doing the actual testing, but the, the platform, the testing platform is the state commission platform. So maybe a, a couple dozen substances are being checked for, but it's not as stringent as the full VADA program. It is up to the fighters involved there to demand the full VADA program. Neither one of them has demanded it, so there's not full VADA testing for that fight. Regardless of what you hear on Twitter, that is the truth. All right. Want to put that out there on the record. We got a super chat pledge from Carlos Cabrera. Thank you so much, Carlos. He says, hope you can make it out to StubHub first round on me. Oh, shit. I'd love to. I'd love to, brother. The thing is, I'm probably going to be fighting here in Atlanta two weeks after that. So um, it's going to be an amateur fight. It's going to be masters. But um finalizing all the details on that but i probably will have a fight two weekends after that and i just don't know if traveling is going to be good definitely can't have a first round or a second or third but maybe after that fight later in the year um i'll get out there for one i definitely am going to get out to la probably in october november somewhere in that time frame me and tiff will get out there and um We'll definitely, whether there's a fight or not, we'll have a few rounds because by then I'm going to be ready to celebrate. So that's what's up, man. Um, I'm going to have uh, a master's fight in late August. I don't want to talk about it too much because a lot can happen between here and now. I'm 42 years old. I could blow out my knee. I could blow out my shoulder. But that's the plan, all right? There's, there's a tournament that I'm going to be in, and so I got to be good over the next couple months. 
let's see. One foot out the door in the chat says paradigm sports lawsuits represents Conor McGregor and likely wants upfront payment back. Yep. That is what um, I was just about to talk about. So great segue, brother. Paradigm Sports Management is suing Manny Pacquiao for breach of contract. They claim that they gave him a $3.3 million advance as part of a four-fight deal with the zone that they were negotiating. Uh, and I think the first fight was supposed to be against Mikey Garcia. Those of you who follow me on Twitter, you heard me or, or saw me tweet for like a year that Pacquiao's next fight was going to be against Mikey Garcia. That's because that's what was being negotiated. I Talked to several people involved in that deal. Maybe I shouldn't have tweeted about it because it didn't happen. With Manny, you just never freaking know. He's so all over the place. There's always drama. There's always legal and financial issues. But um, as it stands now, Pacquiao and his team claim that they are fully within their rights to go forward with this Errol Spence fight. Paradigm Sports Management says, we're going to block that fight from happening because we have a lock solid contract that you got to fight Mikey Garcia. Manny has been involved in a million things like this before my prediction guys, the fight with Spence is going to happen and it's, it's all systems go for that fight. Uh, I don't know if anything's going to come from this paradigm sports management thing. If anything, a few bucks get thrown their way, but I think we're going to see Pacquiao and Spence fight. So don't worry about that one. Um, yeah, one foot out the door in the chat says, sounds like a miscommunication issue. Manny always has miscommunication issues because he has like 40,000 people in this camp. He has like a million friends uh, all over the place. So, um, you know, just when you have that many people whispering in your ear, you're going to have miscommunications. Dude's all over the place. So, um, yeah, I see a couple of you guys commenting about my fight. Um, I, I would definitely, so I think there might be a stream for this one, but the odds are guys, I'm going to fight two or three times over the next few months. So, uh, starting in August through possibly through November, but probably just August and September. And several of those will be streamed. I'm talking about all that and getting that all worked out right now. So, um, the first one I think will be late August, like the 25th or 26th. No, one's going to be able to see that live, but I'll get video and we'll get that up on my channel. Um, hopefully I don't get knocked out in the first round. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Ray Valero says Montero versus Jake Paul. Let's do it, baby. I want them Trilla dollars. Oh, no, wait, he's on Showtime. I want them Showtime dollars. We'll talk about that uh, uh, later on. Now, Showtime pay-per-view dollars. Christopher Otto in the chat. Uh, he says, I know a guy who could get you some sauce. <laughs> I am all natural. All natural. I, I honestly, I've never used any performance enhancer ever. I really don't take supplements except for protein shakes. I have been drinking a lot of protein shakes to make sure I'm getting my protein in because um, that's important because I'm trying to cut weight, but I'm not trying to cut too much muscle. I have lost muscle this year. That's just part of it, but I'm trying to, you know, keep a little bit of lift in my routine and I'm killing them protein shakes right now. All right, let's get over to, um, yeah. I want to start the fight review. We have much to review, ladies and gentlemen, much, much, much to review. So Saturday, June 26th, let's start with matchroom boxing on the zone from Guadalajara, Mexico. Julio Cesar Martinez scores a TKO six win over Joel uh, Cordova. 
fellow Mexican, this is a battle of Mexicans, but for Cordova, this is a big step up in opposition, and it showed. Uh, Martinez gets the TKO6, third defense of his WBC flyweight title. No real surprises there, right? Here in the United States, two major cards of notes. Top rank on ESPN Plus from Las Vegas. In the co-main, let's talk about this co-main, Zanabek Alam, Alam Kanuli, 9-1 fighter uh, based out of uh, California now, Oxnard, California, originally from Kazakhstan, 2016 Olympian, was in the World Series of Boxing, going up against Rob Brandt, who used to have a piece of a title, experienced guy. I was actually excited for this fight. I thought Rob Brandt was really going to show us something and challenge the Kazakh native. But Zanabek just blew him out, absolutely just ran through him, uh, and Brandt retired after eight rounds. He was dropped in the sixth. All three judges had an 80 to 71 at the time of the stoppage. This thing was not even remotely competitive. So I think it's a little bit, of, it's two things here. Zanabek, his, his first name is much easier to say. I'm just going to call him Zanabek. Zanabek looked good, fought very well, very sharp, but also Brandt looked sloppy. He didn't look very good. He's looked much better before. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but um, yeah, I, I want to see. Well, I'm looking here in the chat. Twall 1999 says, uh, the guy who beat Brandt is ranked quite highly at the WBO. He might be able to beat Andre. You know, maybe the best thing that could happen is for Zanabek, Alum, Kanuli, Alum Kanuli, I tried it again, for him to get a mandatory position with, with the BO, whoever it is, to get a crack at Demetrius Andre. Uh, because I think he's probably pretty ready pretty ready. Uh, maybe another fight, but if he's close, love to see that because I want to see Andre be challenged and maybe this kid's the one to do it. So, uh, I think that'd be, I think that'd be a great fight. Uh, man, I see a bunch of you guys in the chat, Mike versus Fred, Mike versus Mario. Uh, if, if I'd fight Fred, for, well, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. I was just going to say I'd fight Fred for free, but nah. Mario, I need some pay-per-view money because Mario really knows what he's doing. I get my ass whooped in that one, but I make some dollars. All right, main event, Vasily Lomachenko, TKO9 win over Masayoshi Nakatani. This is the first time Nakatani has been stopped. He has been dropped before, but, man, he got beat up and absolutely dominated in this fight, and that's never happened. Nakatani has fought some, t- some top opposition, and it's not as if he's the most highly skilled guy. It's not as if he's, he's hard to hit because he's not, but he's never been dominated like this. Lomachenko scored knockdowns, uh, a knockdown in the fifth. The judges, two judges had it 80 to, I think, 71, and one judge had it 78 to 73 at the time of the stoppage. So very, very impressive win by Lomachenko. However, let's, uh, we have to add this caveat. Uh, Nakatani has been in tough fights. He has taken a lot of punishment. And maybe this was just the fight where his, his, his will, it, it just broke. Because, again, he's been dropped, but he always got up after being knocked down and showed this iron will. Maybe he didn't have the most cast iron chin, but he had iron will. And Lomachenko beat the will out of this guy, just beat the brakes off of him. So... Very impressive win by Lomachenko, but maybe Nakatani uh, just just had too much punishment. 
in the end, I do think he was tailor-made. There, there were two big matchups this weekend, uh, Lomachenko versus Nakatani, and of course, Davis versus Barrios, which I'll talk about in a minute. Both of those were you know, one-sided matchups with tailor-made opponents. But with Nakatani, I actually expected a bigger challenge from him. Much bigger guy, much stronger guy than Lomachenko, but skill-wise, just the skills were so vastly superior for, from Loma. That made the difference. And although Lomachenko doesn't have fight-changing power and explosiveness like other fighters at 135, he's got respectable power. Basically what Floyd had at 147, that kind of power, 147, 154, that's the kind of power that Loma has at 135, 130, 135. He's not going to knock your lights out, right? He's not going to change everything with one punch, but he's going to get your respect. And if he touches you enough and you can't see the punches coming, he can stop you. He has stopped guys like Linares to the body, not to the head. And now Nakatani, uh, he's dropped, he's stopped and dropped much bigger guys, uh, so, you know, really if Loma's fighting anybody at 135 and even a lot of guys at 130 are just naturally bigger than him. So it's impressive stuff. And it showed that Loma still has some gas in the tank. I still think he's a top 10 pound for pound fighter. Uh, he's not what he was two or three years ago. He's not in the top five pound for pound or anything like that, but he's in the top 10, the lo lower end of the top 10. And uh, this was an impressive performance. He wants a rematch with Tiafima Lopez. Maybe it can happen. I don't know if I see it happening this year, though, because I think that the fight between uh, Tiafima Lopez and George Cambosis Jr., like I've been telling you guys, that's not happening in August. That's probably going to happen September, maybe even October, quarter four. So I don't think he's going to fight again this year. But perhaps, perhaps early next year, we get a rematch between Lomachenko and Lopez. Some people are saying they don't want to see that fight, and I don't understand that. Many of the same people saying they don't want to see Lopez and Lomachenko do a rematch are really excited about the third fight between Wilder and Fury. Just confusing to me. Um, yes, the fight between Loma and Lopez wasn't very entertaining. It wasn't like this really entertaining brawl or anything like that style-wise, but it was tense. It was competitive, particularly the second half of that fight. And I would be curious to see in a rematch, could Lomachenko make adjustments and do better and start faster? Or could Lopez make adjustments and show growth and show that he really learned in that first fight and completely dominate Lomachenko and knock him out or something like that and really make a statement and put himself on the map? Not just beat Loma, but knock him out. You know, like that's intriguing to me. I'd, I'd like to see a rematch. All right, PBC on Showtime, State Farm Arena here in ATL in Atlanta. Of course, this was uh, a pay-per-view nobody asked for. It remains to be seen. We'll find out in about a week how this did uh, in terms of pay-per-view buys. Expect the numbers to be exaggerated, all right? Uh, expect whatever the real number is, you know. We're going to be – people in the media and boxing Twitter and stuff are going to be arguing over – 20,000, 50,000 different, you know, and instead of people used to argue between, uh, 2 million versus 1.5 million. People are going to be arguing on this one over 150,000 or 220,000. That's what people are going to be arguing about on Twitter and boxing media. Uh, it, it's, it's just interesting how things have, have changed and how dumbed down 
it's become with all this. Uh, CJ Duncan, what's up, man, with the super chat? Hope you're doing well. He says, uh, Lopez versus Loma will not happen if Taylor goes up to 147. Tio isn't ducking, but money play for legacy two division champ, no regular BS. That's a great point, CJ. Thanks for the super chat, man. Uh, glad you're on. And yeah, look, if Taylor moves up to 147, it's going to shake things up. It's going to open everything up at 140. And that might cause not only Tio to move up right after Kimbosis, which he's going to do anyway at some point. He's going to go to 140 because he's a huge 135. But also, man, maybe Tank Davis stays at 140 if if uh, Taylor moves up because then Tank, he's going to be able to fight for one of those uh, vacant titles, right? So you're going to see Tank pr- fight, probably fight for the WBC because they're in business with Al. And then uh, Lopez would immediately fight for the WBO because they're in business with Grandpa Bob. So that's probably what you'll see if Taylor moves up. I'd like to see Taylor stay at 147 for a little while. Uh, I'm sorry, 140 before he moves up to 147. But he's got money fights at 147 too because if he moves up to 47, he could fight Terrence Crawford. That's a money fight for him. He could do one or two fights and then fight Bud. But man, if he could stay at 40 and fight Tio, I'd much rather see that fight. But we shall see. Uh, Either way, I completely agree with you, CJ. If he moves up, it's going to change things. If he stays there, though, could get interesting. All right, uh, back to Atlanta. In the pay-per-view opener, Carlos Adamas scored a W, um, and then Bakhtir Akhmadev scored a W, and then the co-main, Erickson Lubin, TKO6 over Jason Rosario. Let's talk about this one for a minute. Uh, you got to be impressed with Lubin. And I know that he got a little bit wobbled in this fight. I can't remember what round it was, maybe the fifth or sixth round. No, 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 it was, it was earlier than that. Maybe the fourth, fifth round, somewhere in there. He got wobbled at one point. And uh, Rosario had some real momentum. Okay, I mean, it happens, guys. It happens in fights. But Lubin survived that moment, pushed through it, and not only won the fight, but stopped Rosario. He went to the body hard really, really dug to that body because Rosario has shown a weakness to the body, dropped him, stopped him, and now he is 6-0 and since the loss to Jamel Charlo in 2017. Can we give this kid some fucking credit? I think Erickson Lubin deserves a ton of credit. And I just, I, I understand that Jason Rosario is not the opponent that he was sold as when he fought against Charlo on that pay-per-view last year. I, I get it, okay? And I'll get into that in a second. But Man, Lubin was, what, 21 when he got KO1 by Charlo four years ago? Everyone wrote this kid off. I won't say everyone, but most of you wrote this kid off. So for him to come back and be 6-0 and since and fight some decent dudes, it's not it, he hasn't fought a murderer's row, but he's been fighting some decent guys, and he's performed pretty well overall. So um, but I want to see Lubin, and, and this was, a, I think, a mandatory and eliminator for one of the titles. I don't can't remember which freaking one, but Charlo's going to fight Castaño, the winner of that undisputed champion. Lubin will be in line to face the winner. I think the winner is going to be Charlo. I think he's going to impress. I think he's going to look good. I think he's going to prove his pound for pound credentials at that point. He's going to enter my pound for pound list because I think he's going to be Castaño. And then we're going to be lined up for a Charlo Lubin rematch. Now, there are a lot of people out there that 
are shitting on that possibility already and saying, oh man, this was a KO one. I don't want to see this shit again. Here's the thing, man. Who else? Number one, who else is there for Charlo to fight at 154? Seriously, he's cleaned out the damn division. Don't tell me Jarrett Hurd because we just saw him lose, right? He's cleaned out the division. So who else is there for him to fight unless he wants to move up to 60? But second of all, man, that was four years ago, guys. It's not, it's not like the Wilder Fury situation where they're going right into an immediate third fight after a complete beatdown. It's been four years here, four years of growth, right? And in that time, Mel has taken an L as well. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but but he has. Now, it's a different kind of L. He came back and avenged it. I get it. But both guys have grown in different ways. I'm cool with seeing a rematch. I don't want it on pay-per-view. Doesn't belong on pay-per-view. But if we get, let's say, at the very end of this year, November, December, somewhere in there, if we got a Charlo Lubin rematch, probably won't happen because PBC guys only fight once or twice a year. And they, they move real slow over there. But I'm just saying, I'm just dreaming here. If in November, December, we got a rematch between these two or even early next year, I'd welcome that, man. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see what Lubin can do. I'd still favor Charlo, obviously, but I'd like to see what he could do. All right, let's talk about this main event. Gervonta, Smoke and Mirrors Davis. That's his new nickname. We could call him Tank, but my nickname is Gervonta, Smoke and Mirrors Davis. I said it respectfully. TKO 11 win over Mario Barrios for a bogus 140-pound title. Two knockdowns in the eighth round and then one knockdown in the 11th round. One thing that everyone noticed right away, the height difference, right? And people were saying, man, Barrios, he's taller than they list him as. No, 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 no. Tank is shorter than they list him as. They list Tank at like five, five and a half. He's maybe 5'4", probably closer to 5'3". He's a little dude. He's a real little guy. 5'3", five, 5'4", five, right in there, okay? He's not 5'5 five, five and a half. That showed in this fight. But, um, but Barrios boxed well early on. He used his length. His uh, trainer had, him, uh, had a good game plan. You know what I'm saying? Used the length, jab, cool. Wasn't dominating the early rounds but was doing enough on most people's scorecards, mine included, to win at least three of the first four rounds. You could, you could make the argument he won all four, all, all the first four rounds. I think um, Steve Farhood on Showtime scored all four of the first, the first four rounds for uh, Barrios. Man, I can't talk today. Um, so you could make that argument. But, man, going into that eighth round, Seven rounds in, you could make a legitimate argument that it was five rounds to two for Barrios, maybe four rounds to three. Tank was behind. He needed a big, big statement, and he made it. He came out in the eighth round. He did a beautiful – remember that uh, Tank is, is a southpaw, right? So, so the right is the lead hand. Did a beautiful dip feint. And got Barrios to bite on it. Barrios fell asleep for one split second, bit on that feint, dropped his hand, kind of leaned his head in, and then Tank went over the top and nailed him right in the temple. And it, it hurt. It was an equilibrium shot. It wasn't like a, you know a concussive kind of punch, but it was an equilibrium shot. But it hurt Barrios. And he went down. And to Barrios' credit, he got up, was dropped again because his equilibrium was still bad from that first punch to the temple. 
down again, gets back up, right? So Barrios deserves credit. And a lot of people are saying I was being disrespectful of Barrios last week when I said that Tank is going to dominate this fight and stop him and knock him out late. That was my prediction because Barrios is not an elite level junior welterweight. That wasn't me trying to be disrespectful. That was me just properly rating him as a fighter. That's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, he's I he's a young guy in his prime, never officially lost, although I, I thought that he won via robbery a few fights back. Um, but I, I give him credit for coming in, didn't know how to lose, undefeated record, and he got up off the canvas three times, even in the 11th. Uh, Davis landed a beautiful uppercut on the inside. He has one of the better uppercuts in the game right now, a really explosive uppercut on the inside. And he went right to the solar plexus. And it really, really hurt Barrios. I wouldn't be surprised. One of those ribs is at least bruised, maybe even fractured, hairline fracture, because the way he immediately went down, that's what impressed me the most about how Tank stopped Barrios. It was a body shot that ultimately did it. Now, Barrios was hurt. Tank followed up. Referee, I think it was Tom Thomas Taylor, stopped it, and then it was done. But so Tank turned it up when he had to. And let's give Floyd Mayweather credit because he got in Tank Davis's ear and said, hey, man, you're losing the fight. Unofficial scorecard has you down. Get in there. I believe in you. Show me that you're great. Now, maybe that was bending the rules and the commission should have stepped in and said, hey, Floyd, you're a promoter. You're not in the corner. Go sit your ass down. The commission here, Floyd's kind of running the show. They didn't really say anything. So Floyd got to come over and give advice to the corner all night. Uh, that really shouldn't happen, but I don't blame Floyd for doing it because that's his fighter and nobody at the commission was stopping him. So, okay, cool. Super chat pledge again from CJ Duncan. Thank you so much, my man. He says regular WBA equals interim belt in the eighties. Hashtag smoke and mirrors. Exactly. My man, you're going to get, you're going to get an applause for that. Wait a second. Oop. That was the wrong button. Ha! That's the crickets. Wait a second. There we go. There's the applause. Man, I did a fucking rim shot. I'm going to rim shot myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to get you're gonna get a second applause there, CJ, because that's exactly true, man. And that's that's all I'm saying. And that brings me to, I need to go on a little rant. You know what? Let, let me have a quick sip of water here. I'm going to go on a rant here. All right. Are you guys ready? Let's have some real talk about Javante Tank Davis. Now, this past week, there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter, boxing Twitter between fans and media and people that kind of ride the line in between those two about the 140-pound world title, quote-unquote, that was on the line here between Davis and Barrios. And if you criticized the title or claimed you didn't recognize it, if you brought up Josh Taylor being the undisputed legitimate champion who's cleaned out the 140 division. You were called a hater. You were even blackballed. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to go ahead and put this on the record. Ring Magazine got an email late Thursday night, early Friday morning, saying that we were not welcomed to the arena to cover this event live from ringside. The excuse given was that they were over capacity. So, Number one, that's bullshit, okay? Number two, regardless of how you feel about my criticizing, Doug Fisher's criticizing, Tom Gray's criticizing of the this being a title fight, 
us not recognizing it. Ring Magazine doesn't recognize the WBA regular title. Some of you out there can bring up instances from years ago, one special instance where it was brought up or something like that. A couple people brought up the fight that we've mentioned it in fight programs before that had, or I mentioned it in fight programs before that had nothing to do with Ring Magazine. Okay, some of you guys out there are trying too hard. We have a standard. We do not recognize the WBA regular title, the gold title, the diamond title, the silver title, the dog shit title, none of it. Same thing with the BC. Don't recognize the interim titles and silver titles, all that kind of stuff, all right? That's all we said. But when that happens, you get blackballed. And there's a track record here. Uh, it goes back to Floyd Mayweather and the way that he kind of ran things when he was fighting. Ring Magazine didn't cover the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, not because Ring didn't want to, but because it wasn't invited. I, I know that several colleagues of mine in the media, mentors of mine, did not get a credential for that fight because Mayweather's side didn't want them there. What they do over there, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it is what it is, all right? And it just needs to be recognized. It just needs to be owned. They are trying to build Tank Davis up with casual fans through the hip-hop community, right? Uh, they're, they're going for Floyd Mayweather's fans, the hip-hop community. They're trying to build up Tank Davis fans. They're not necessarily trying to build boxing fans. They're trying to build Tank Davis as a brand with a certain niche audience that will spend money when he fights, be it buying tickets or ordering a pay-per-view. That's the mission over there. So they find easy, controllable situations where they can move up and grab a piece of a title there, move up and grab a piece of a title over there. It's not different than what many other fighters have done in the past. We saw Canelo Alvarez do it at 175 with Sergey Kovalev, in my opinion. Okay. So plenty of other fighters are doing this. The difference is Canelo Alvarez has faced killers before. So he kind of has, quote unquote, earned the right to do some of that. Tank Davis hasn't yet. And some people posted Teddy Atlas ranting about Ring Magazine not rating Gervonta Davis properly in his eyes. There are people out there that were suggesting Tank should be ranked pound for pound in the top 10 because he is, quote unquote, a three division world champion. He's not. He was a title holder at 130, and that's it 135, 140. Don't even recognize him as a title holder. That's not hate. That's not dissing the dude. That's just calling it the way it is. CJ Duncan in the chat said it best. Interim titles, gold titles, diamond titles, all these other titles, these secondary titles in the 80s, that would at best be an interim title because the champion was injured and couldn't fight or something like that, right? That's the equivalent. But now, man, the WBA has three, four, five champions in some divisions and that's what some promoters actually all of them to an extent and all the networks are using these secondary titles to market fights manipulate fans market fights to uneducated un you know not unnuanced if that's even the word fans who don't have the historical reference to understand that it's not a real fucking title fight so you bring this stuff up as it relates to Javante Davis you're labeled a hater you're labeled biased. You're labeled all sorts of other stuff. And what's going to start happening more and more and more with Tank 
Mayweather Promotions, PBC, Leonard Ellerby, Al Heyman, Tang Davis, and his whole team there, is they're going to get more and more insular with the media. There's going to be people, sources, that are going to roll with that and say whatever the fuck they want them to say to keep that access going. And those are going to be the people that ride along on the Tank Davis train, however long it lasts. Very, very similar to what Floyd did over the last 10 years of his career. But if you talk the truth, if you simply bring up the facts, you're going to be kicked out of that bubble. They're not going to want you there. There's going to be certain times where they can't avoid you, okay? But if they can't avoid you, if they are in control and they can say, no, we don't want you there, that's what they'll do. And it's starting now. Here's the thing with Tank Davis. Pound for pound explosiveness, check. Pound for pound excitement, pound for pound potential, check, check, check. But pound for pound resume, fuck no. Anybody out there saying that he's anywhere near the pound for pound list is crazy. Guys, you don't rate fighters on a pound for pound list based off of, well, I think he'd beat this guy if they ever fight. No, 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 no. They need to fight. We need to see the damn fight. And then we rate and assess after that. I think Tank Davis has tremendous potential. He's exciting to watch. He does bring the crowd here in Atlanta. Now, was it a real true sellout? No, it's being spun that way. But I think there were 16,000 in attendance. That arena, State Farm, holds 20,000. Also, thousands of tickets sold were on sale. They didn't sell at sticker price. How do I know? Because I know tons of you out there that bought $200 sticker price tickets for 50 bucks or 80 bucks uh, up a day or two before the fight. You guys screenshot it. You sent it. Some of you even tweeted it out, okay? A bunch of guys from my gym, four or five guys from my gym, bought tickets the day of the fight and ended up going Saturday. So, yes, butts and seats, but they weren't paying a premium, right? So, so there's some spin going on here, and that's why I say smoke and mirrors. It's not to be disrespectful. It's not to hate. It's not to imply that this is the only promotion and the only team doing this, because that's not true, okay? All promoters do this to a certain degree. But here's a big distinction. Here's a big difference. I've pretty much pissed off every promoter in the business at one point. I have said something that's really pissed off just about everybody. But the real ones know that I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my thing. And I respect that when they conflate things and they manipulate the truth a little bit, they tell a little white lies as they're marketing their fight. They're just doing their thing. And when they market a WBC silver interim regular championship as the whatever championship in the world, I know that they're just doing their thing. I'm going to call it out. They're going to call out my shit. But at the end of the day, we can shake hands and we can work together because we respect each other as professionals. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Leonard Ellerby, I got nothing against the dude. He's a promoter. Promoters are supposed to be full of shit. It's like the president. The president's a fucking idiot. He's everything he says is a goddamn lie. Every president is a fucking liar. Not just this one, all of them. That's what politicians do. Promoters are like politicians. They're they they talk shit. They they will promote their fighter, right? I talked about it last week. It's the way a lot of people talk about their children, right? My little Billy's the best baseball player on earth because, you know, in T-ball he hit a double today, you know. He's not the best baseball player on earth, but in his, in his parents' eyes, little Billy is the best. 
All right. That's the way promoters talk about their fighters. So I expect Leonard LRB to talk shit. I expect Bob Arum to talk shit. I expect uh, Eddie Hearn to talk shit. All these guys, right? But you got to expect me to tell the truth because I'm not one of those guys that plays the role. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to crack the code. I'm going to talk about the gray area, the minutia and the contract so that people who care about that stuff can get the truth, right? Because there is a still... It's a dwindling market, but there still is a market for that. It is a dwindling market in boxing. So there's still a little bit of space for a guy like me. The real ones recognize that, and they still fuck with me. The fake ones, the insecure ones, the unprofessional ones, I guess they just can't handle the truth. So that's my rant on Tank Davis here. I think that what's he going to do next? If... Josh Taylor stays at 40, Tank's going back down to 135. If Josh Taylor moves up to 47, Tank's going to stay at 40 and fight for a vacant title there. If I were Tank, I'd go back down. He's not a 140. He's not going to beat the elite-level fighters at 140. Mario Barrios, good quality professional prize fighter, borderline top 10, 140, but he's not an elite-level fighter at 140 or any weight class, right? So, So... what we saw from Tank, yeah, he turned it up in the eighth round and the 11th round. He really turned up the heat in the second half of that fight. Impressive. But did you see enough there where you'd favor him to beat Regis Progre, Jose Carlos Ramirez, Josh Taylor? Because I didn't. I didn't see enough there to, to make me think he'd beat Vasily Lomachenko, who he flat out ducked, Tiafima Lopez, and others. I'm not saying that to hate. I'm just stating my opinion, okay? And and anybody with boxing eyes sees what I see. I see the explosiveness. He's going to be in any fight because of that explosiveness. I see that, all right? I recognize it. I see the talent. He's got a boxing mind, too. He thinks in there. I saw him thinking against Barrios. I saw him setting up those hard punches. But I also saw him get boxed in spots. I, I saw Leo Santa Cruz put a lot of leather on him. I saw Leo's way past it, dude. You shouldn't be putting leather on a prime guy like Tank Davis right now. Leo's another guy that has a lot of smoke and mirrors in his own resume. And Mario Barrio shouldn't be putting leather, that kind of leather, on a pound-for-pound guy and winning four or five rounds half, you know, after 10 rounds uh, on a pound-for-pound level guy. You just shouldn't see that. Not from a guy like Barrio. So there's still some development that needs to happen over there on Team Tank. Is it going to happen? I don't know. And by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll say this one last piece and then I'll leave it here. And then we'll move on, all right? But if this fight was on regular showtime, I wouldn't be saying any of this shit. If there was no title involved, I wouldn't be saying any of this shit. Because I would just look at this as a developmental fight. All right, you're, you're, you're testing the waters at 140. You're seeing what's good there, how you take a punch there, how, how the height you know, difference matches up for you. You're staying busy. Okay, cool. But when you're calling this a world championship fight, when you're putting it on pay-per-view, when you're saying that this is a pound-for-pound level fighter, a pay-per-view star, dude, a pay-per-view star doesn't sell 150,000, 180,000 pay-per-views. That's not a pay-per-view star, all right? A pay-per-view star in this era, you got to sell at least half a mil, getting close to a mil. There's really only three pay-per-view stars right now, three, the number one American pay-per-view star is Deontay Wilder. 
And his third fight with Fury, that's not going to crack a million. The second fight didn't, right? So, so it'll do well over half a million, sure. But it, it just the, the terminology being used, go ahead and use it with the dummies. Go use it with the casuals. Go use it with the guys that watch boxing only when Tank Davis fights. Use it with the guys that watch Tank for political reasons, right? And, and, and root against everybody else for political reasons. Use it with them. Don't use it with this guy, okay? Because I know better. And you know that I know better. And you know that I know that you're full of shit. So let's just respect each other. All right. Super chat pledge from Ray Valero. Thank you so much, Ray. He says, thanks, Montero, for giving us the facts. And he's got facts in caps. From the Nonito versus Casimiro Vada confusion and calling out the Tank Davis regular championship titles. Thank you very much, Ray, for showing appreciation because I take a lot of shit for the things I say. A lot of shit. Um, but, you know, sometimes I do step over the line. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I could be better with my messaging. I'm trying to get better. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're works in progress, us human beings, right? Chris Bergen with a super chat. Thank you so much, Chris. He says, that's why we respect and like you, Mike. Truth bombs. Thank you, sir. Both of you guys get the applause. There you go. I hit the right button this time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. All right. We got a few phone calls here. Let's jump to the phones, and then we will do some fight preview action. All right? Let's jump over to 805. 805, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike. What's going on? It's me, Nacho. Nacho. What's up, man? Hey, nothing much. Um. Yeah, basically, I just wanted to touch on a few things that you brought up. Um, first, the whole thing with uh, the Donaire-Casimero fight. I never really thought that was in danger of, quote-unquote, being canceled. I just thought there was a lot of uh, posturing and uh, bullshitting by uh, Casimero's team. Um, the funny thing was, like, when you look at the Twitter uh, war between uh, Donaire's wife and Gibbons, it's just hilarious because she's basically telling these dudes, I'm willing to pay for your testing. Yep. All you got to do is sign up. And Gibbons, it seemed like, got offended by the fact that she put that out there. And he just went on these crazy rants talking shit to her and kind of giving her crap and just, yeah. So it, it just kind of went sideways from there, from the fact that she basically embarrassed Gibbons and Casamero's team by saying that, she was willing to put up the money to get him to test. And it just seemed like all hell broke loose from there. But I'm glad that they got that whole thing resolved and that, you know, we'll get what's supposed to be a clean fight. And that way, right. you know, the winner, the winner can't say like, oh, well, you know, I won, but, you know, the other guy might have been dirty. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm glad that that's taken care of. Um, the whole thing with Tank Davis and, um, and uh, Barrios, I give Barrios credit, but to me, he's a B-level guy. You can kind of make the case he's right outside of the top 10 Yeah. Um, as far as 140-pounders. Um, the thing was, the funniest thing that uh, Floyd said uh, after the fight, especially when he said that they were not going to match him with anybody outside of PBC between yeah. 130 and 140. Yeah, keep it in-house, so he said, right? options are yeah. yeah. So that that means their options are really limited as far as I and as far as I'm concerned. 
And to me, there's only four guys that are available in that side of the street that he could fight um, anytime soon. And to be honest, I think three of those four guys would be favored over Tank right now. And that's Chris Colbert, Mikey Garcia, and Regis Progray. The only guy I think that you can make a case that Tank would be favored by, but but not by much, is Isaac Cruz. Yeah. Um, and so I just find it hilarious that they're acting like they have this unlimited supply of guys between 130 and 140 that they can match up Tank with. And I think what it's going to become is he's going to be the modern uh, Joe Lewis. He's going to fight the bum of the month club <laughs> for a while. I just don't see this kid. I don't see this kid fighting any legit threat until Floyd says it's time to fight him because they think he's just past it. So that way they guarantee that it's um, in their favor as far as Tank being able to beat the guy. Like I saw some comments earlier today about how uh, certain uh, quote unquote Tank fans think that uh, Lomachenko would be a guy that would be on the horizon sooner rather than later. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, because he's lost and because he's 33 years old and you guys are seeing slippage. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you guys want to see him fight. I was like, before that, you guys didn't want no part of that dude. So I think that's what's going to happen with him. He's going to fight a bunch of nobodies, just basically keep selling that, uh, you know, undefeated record and claiming that he's, you know, three division champ or whatever. But to me, the funniest thing was seeing Barrios outbox his kid the other night. I found it kind of hilarious that Floyd literally looked like he wanted to like shit his pants because he was telling Tank towards the end of the fight, like, dude, you need a knockout to beat this guy because right now I think you're losing. And I never thought I'd hear Floyd ever say that about one of his fighters. So it was just kind of comical to, to see him so panicked. And I'm thinking to myself, if Mario Barrios can do that to him, I can't even imagine what Floyd would be thinking if, um, Ramirez, uh, right. Josh Taylor got in there. You know, they would mop the floor with this kid. I think the kid is a ticket seller and the kid is an attraction, but they need to stop with the BS of acting like he's the man between 130 and 140 because to me, they've done a good job of building what's a, an attraction, but they've also um, crafted a, uh, a bubble around this kid. They're so deathly afraid of losing that zero that they're not going to match him up with anybody that legitimately can beat this kid. So, you know, it's disappointing, but I'm not completely surprised that Mayweather and, and the PBC are, are doing that because that's what they want to do. And then really quick um, with uh, the top rank card, um, I think you're right. There's, I think 50% of what you said is right, and the other 50% I think is uh, credit given to Loma as far as uh, how easily he beat um, Nakatani. The Warriors did catch up to Nakatani, I think, but honestly, I think Nakatani literally had no answer for the side-to-side and the um, the uh, step-in uh, movement of Loma. He was just not able to time him and keep him outside of, uh, outside of his punching range. Like, he didn't throw anything besides a jab and a right hand. Like, he never threw hooks. He never threw uppercuts. He never threw anything like a straight right hand that legitimately could keep Loma at bay. And Loma was able to time him and get inside over that jab of his and land hooks and uh, body punches. And 
and he hurt the guy and he took him out and it's an impressive win but yeah i do think that you're right i think the wars finally took nakatani out and that's I think what i he, saw i honestly think he's done as yeah i think he's done as an elite level fighter um I'm curious to see, though, how long they wait for that uh, Lopez rematch, as they were saying. Um, if I was Loma, I'd want to get back out there and knock some more rust off before I even think about trying to take on Teofimo at this point. Because waiting six months for a, a rematch or maybe longer, that's not good for a 33-year-old fighter. So if I was him, I'd try to get another fight in before I took on Lopez again. And then uh, with uh, Janabek and uh, Brandt, I just honestly think, Mike, and this is just me having watched the fight, I think Rob Brandt is weight-drained at 160, yeah. and I just think he hung on too long at 160, and he looks like he desperately needs to go to 168 because the biggest problem I saw with him the other night was he did not ever plant his feet to engage Danabek and make him respect him. He literally was circling around the ring the entire time, just kind of occasionally throwing pot shots, and just trying to keep him off of him, but he never planted his feet to draw a line in the sand. And I think Janabek saw that right away and said, oh, okay, this guy's easy. Like, he's not going to do anything to keep me off of him, so I'm just going to take it to him and pound him out. And that's what he did. So, I mean, it was a good win for Janabek, but I think Brandt definitely needs to move to 68. So, you know, uh, and then just the last thing with uh, the fight this weekend, man, I did not think that, Tug would take such a short notice fight against Colbert. How do you see that fight playing out this weekend? Oh, yeah. I love that. Uh, Tug, King Tug's a badass. I'm going to talk about that in the fight preview, but I'm actually covering that fight for Ring TV. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I think Tug's going to give him a tough fight, but I mean, I favor Colbert. I think he's good. I think Colbert has a lot of potential, but yeah. that's going to be fun, man. And, you know, with a last minute replacement yeah. like that, you just never know, bro. So King Tug brings it. He brings it. Yeah, for sure. But I'm just surprised at the quality of a last-minute replacement like King Tug. I thought for sure they would give him a guy who, you know, was a decent fighter but not a legitimate threat. But I think Tug can be a threat and could yeah. possibly pull the upset if everything goes right. So Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, Mike. Yeah, just wanted to call in. Yeah. All right, uh, thanks, Nacho. Call. Great right. call, brother. Uh, thanks, yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah, Steve in the UK on the chat says, if you're going to get annoyed at promoters and TV companies promoting, then boxing isn't for you. Make your own mind up and don't worry what narrative is being spun and see it for what it is, sales. Steve, I get that. And, and look, maybe I didn't state this clearly enough, so I'm going to state it again. I don't blame Leonard Ellerby. I don't blame Floyd. I don't blame Showtime, Jimmy Lennon Jr. calling this, you know, the champion of the world, you know, during his fight announcements. I, I don't blame any of those guys. I know exactly what they're doing, but they shouldn't get mad at me when I tell the truth to you guys. That's my role. And I could be one of these other guys that just puts out puff pieces. Everybody's great. Everyone's awesome all the time. But that's why they're so fucking vanilla. They get access to fights and everything else. Cool, good for them. But they're not. Nothing they say is organic. Nothing they say is meant from the heart. Just I. That's why they're so boring. That's why most of these podcasts and everything. Um, and I'm not. Look, there are some podcasts, some boxing podcasts I really enjoy, because people are opinionated and put it out there. 
but a lot of these are just milk toast bullshit. It's just that's it's like watered down. It's like most of the TV shows now are all bullshit. They're all too politically correct. It's all watered down. There's there's like, like no edge to any of it. So I'm cool with these guys doing their thing. I expect them to do their thing, but they should expect me to do my thing. And my point is the real ones get that. Dude, I've argued with certain promoters to where we were screaming at each other, like foaming at the mouth, yelling and screaming at each other. And then five minutes later, all right, here's your credential. You know, I'll see you after the fight. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's just business, right? You do your thing, homie. You spin and do you. I'm going to decipher all the bullshit you're saying to the people who give a shit. And I know, I fully recognize, there are more clicks out there for me if I just repeated what, if I just said, man, all roads go through tank, Josh Taylor, he ain't done shit. Yeah. He's got titles, but how many pay-per-views has he's got? Tank's got two pay-per-views. He's a pay-per-view star. Everyone loves tank. He's the most, he's, he's the best fighter in American boxing right now. He's the future of the sport. He's Floyd Mayweather's protege. I could just go around and say that shit like everybody else, but yeah, I, get, I might get more clicks, but I ain't going to sleep at night, man. It ain't me. I'm a boxing fan. I'm a diehard boxing fan. And part of me being a fan is I tell you guys my opinion. You know, it, it, you're going to agree sometimes. You're going to disagree sometimes. But we're all fight fans here, right? So let's focus on the shit that we agree on when we are disagreeing. Let's remember that we agree on most of this stuff. Doesn't mean we have to hate each other, okay? We, we can disagree. All right, back to the phones. Got a few more calls here, guys. 702, you're on the show. What's up? Montero, what's good, man? It's CJ. CJ, what's going on, brother? And, you know, glad to be able to actually catch you outside of sending stuff over in the Super Chat. And normally, you know, I, I like to be able to just catch it on the playback while I'm getting work done. But this WBA nonsense, it just kind of has, it, it sits a certain kind of way. Take notwithstanding, because it's, it's just something that's just making the overall product bad, man. Uh, two things that I'll end up bringing up. That way you can get through some of the callers about this. With the WBA, yesterday I was driving home and somebody that I end up doing business with sent me a message talking about, hey, are you watching the title fight that's on Fox? And I ain't paying necessarily no mind. And they're like, you know, this kid must be good. He's 4-0. and And I'm still like, what's oh, the yeah. title fight they talking about? And then when it's I ended up seeing that it was like super middleweight championship of the world. And before even actually clicking on it, I immediately knew it was a WBA. And I already knew it was a regular, regular championship. Because it don't matter unless you're literally underneath the rocket because now all the jumping around and all the extra titles, you should end up knowing that Canelo Alvarez is some kind of champion between super middleweight and, and middleweight or somewhere in between. And even though he's not even in middleweight anymore, you probably still look at him as more of a champion in that division than the current titleists that are in that division. But right. the fact that they're putting on these, these network shows with guys 3-0, and 4-0 with interim titles, regular titles, I actually throw more respect to the interim titles than even the regular. And you're brought up when you're going through a quality rant about tanking the position with some of the smoke and mirrors with these regular titles. As much stick as people give Leo Santa Cruz or as much stick as people give Adrian the problem Broner, who's now become more of a problem outside the ring and in, He's still out of those four divisions, unless somebody keeps me honest, none of them were regular titles. At least he picked up the actual trinket of that organization at that weight class along the way. Is, you know, the person that, you know, people were trying to make it seem like he was somewhat similar to in Tank 
tank like you already brought up, he's only won in one division at 130 against Pedraza, which might still, to this day, be his you know, best size, win. and skill set at that point in time might be his best win. Yeah. yeah. Out of all these other spots. So it's it's nothing against advertising. We know that these these promotional companies, it's not even as much about getting the fighters or the fighters paid if they're a champion, because that's mainly BS. Because three to seven points coming out of every one of these purses just to be able to put on that trinket over their shoulder. Most of them will tell you it ain't worth it if they even are a real fighter because they know they're not the champ. This is more so for these promotional companies to be able to sell these TV slots because yes. they can at least tell that they're have, they've got all these world champions, knowing that they don't. And even the networks know that they don't either, but they know that the casual Joe Sixpack might end up at least clicking it for 30 to 45 minutes to send a text message to somebody that's more of a boxing fan and tell them that they're watching the fight because the champ's on. So it's all to be able to get a few extra clicks, and we get that, but the, the fanboys that are waving the brag flag about Tank Davis or any other fighter that does it because you don't want to just round it out and say that it's on Tank because he is not the only issue. Um, it's just that's the one that's the most noticeable in this conversation this week. It just comes off that. And even at least with this tank point, reason why Mayweather's being so protected with him is here's a great question for somebody that's been keeping up with the fight game for a long period of time. And then I'll give a pause to it. Montero, can you tell me the other fighter that Mayweather Promotions has actually developed that can even be a star in their stable? I'll wait. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, so, they're kind of all in, right? Just the way Golden Boy be, was um, with Canelo. Exactly. So as much as it might be that even Floyd, Floyd down his heart of hearts where you saw some of that, that passion come out about Tank losing, that was as much about his business as it was about the fighter because you said it and most boxing fans will know, most people that pay attention to the screen now, the dancing with the stars, money made, they forget that top rank put Floyd in tough when he was pretty boy. Yes. And he earned his stripes. And everybody that's a boxing fan knows about that part. Floyd and Leonard can't, they can't do that. That's why you hear that that safe about them keeping them within the PVC. I took a scroll through while I was listening to that other caller talk about that part. And if you just scroll through their list of fighters that are currently in the PVC between 130 and 140, I hope you don't have a heavy meal because it'll make you want to vomit how many of these guys have three losses, six losses, nine losses. And some of them you can tell if they get two or three wins and get an interim strap, they can throw them in in September or um, in May to be able to make some kind of fight with Tank in that 135-140 space. Yep. And the last thing that I'll say and then get off the line when it comes to the BA, the BA out of all the belts holds some special place in my heart because of the fact that my stepfather, for a certain period of time, don't matter if he had multiple defenses or not, he was able to say that he was the WBA heavyweight champion of the world and he went to South Africa during apartheid to go pick up that belt. In this current generation, he wouldn't have had to go to South Africa during apartheid. They just would have made an interim or regular belt. Yeah. So it's it's almost disrespectful to your uncle's memory and what he went through. I mean, putting himself in that situation at that time for the honor of holding that title, for the honor of just fighting for it. What balls, son. And now these dudes are getting titles over the email and shit. So but but see, but but you have that that historical knowledge. You, you have that reference. A lot of these guys don't, man. They they don't know the difference. And I know the fight you're talking about was on actually yesterday. I forgot to bring it up. There was a PBC on Fox show in Minneapolis. David Morell, five and zero now out of Cuba with a a KO one win. So he was obviously matched really really tough in that title fight, right? Right, right. 
And yeah. even if you, regardless of how people think about the heavyweights of the 80s, like my stepdad was one of those Don King heavyweights that he tried to cultivate post-Ali going into Tyson. But it don't matter what you say about a Greg Page or a James Bonecrusher Smith or a Tony TNT Tub, they actually held the title that came a long way because it was only one, not in this right. current version now where there's no way in Daniel Don King at 90 years old should still have somebody could even say that he's a heavyweight champion down there in Florida. Like that's just, that lets you know the. Dude, did you watch that fight? Breakdown of a Belfast supporter. No, no, not, not, no. I, I've only got so many hours a day that I'm willing to put into watching quality fights. I'd rather watch prospects on an early car fight and watch some of these trinket title fights because it, it's not worth it. Especially when you know that it's not, it's not going to an end road anywhere. They're just making these fights up with these BS titles and then be it six to nine months from now, that person will drop down in weight and then they'll be going for another regular title or they'll go up in weight and they're dancing around. It's, we all said in our different ways along the way, they're doing the money plan without getting in the work and doing the pretty boy plan of actually cementing a legacy. You dancing around for so long and you hope the general public don't pay attention that you ain't for nobody. You just been hyped beast on social media enough time. But eventually you're going to get called by somebody that's going to slip. I don't know when, man, because I just don't know if he's going to fight anybody. They're going to pick and choose. And the regular belts, the interim belts, all this stuff makes it easy to do. Let's be honest, man. Mario Barrios, Mexican-American kid, undefeated record, held a piece of a title. Those three boxes got checked, and that's all PBC, Mayweather Promotions, whoever needed to market that fight against Tank as a pay-per-view. So, you know, you got that Hispanic surname, undefeated record, belt. So, you know, you're hitting demographics, marketing, everything that you need. And then they put it on pay-per-view. And, and that's just, that's the business plan. And if we bring that up, though, CJ, we're haters. We're, we're called haters. Sure. But, you know, sure. if you grew yeah. up watching boxing in the 80s, the 90s, you saw it, it's just a different, it's just a different time, man. Like I used to, when I was a kid, I, I, would, I thought boxing... Uh, I was pissed off a lot of times because I'm like, man, we're not getting the best fights. I complained then. I look back, I'm like, holy shit, we got great fights. Even in the early 2000s, we were getting some great fights. And it's just right now, man, it's tough. It's tough, bro. We have one, and then this will be the last one here because I know you got to call us back enough. But check this out. We've been waiting for about 642 days for Mikey Garcia to get that Pacquiao fight. And then you keep hearing Robert Garcia talking about he, you know, he really thinks that Mikey could make 140, and that's probably what he's better serve. And Mikey tiptoeing and dancing around that whenever you can get him on camera. Aren't they both in PBC? Yeah, last time I checked. But you and I both know they're not going to make that. They're not going to make that fight happen because even if Mikey Garcia said he wants 10 million and Tank wants 10 million, quite honestly, that would be one of the few times where you could actually generate something like a pay per view and justify getting that kind of sponsorship and gate number up to make that fight happen. But we know it's right as rain, but there's no way that Mayweather's emotions are going to put Tank towards that fight. Mikey Garcia would take that fight in a heartbeat, because even though he's outgunned in the power department, he can do what Mario Barrios did to a lesser extent Leo Santa Cruz did for 12 rounds, and he's been hit by somebody slightly harder and a little bit longer mm-hmm. and more awkward to get off with in an Earl Spence. Yeah, and Earl Spence so is again, a better so fighter than Tank, in my so opinion. The talent. I, I think it ain't so much about the, the talent or having anybody. It's they don't want to match him up just yet. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and again, if that's the business plan, cool. Just own it. Just say it. We're developing a fighter. We're doing, but no, you're marketing this guy as he's a star. He's this, he's that. 
No, he's not. And you know, if, if I bring it up or if you bring it up and we just bring up some of these things, we're not hating. We're just talking about the situation. So if we're supposed to respect them doing what they're doing, they should respect us back. That's it. He can be a star. Just because the rock a star don't mean that I want to watch him do a drama. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I just because Logan Paul's right, a star. We're off this line, though, man. All right, man. Thanks a lot, CJ. I appreciate it. Have All a good right, one, brother. It. Yes, sir. Always a good call from CJ. I'm just looking at the WBA ratings, guys, because he brought up the WBA. I'm just, let's just look at heavyweight. And again, not going to beat a dead horse. We'll move on. But the super champ is, of course, Joshua. The world champ is Trevor Bryant. The champ in recess is Manuel Char. The gold champion is Robert Hellenius. Number one contender, Alexander Usyk. And then it goes down from there, right? I'm just looking at their ratings. There's a continental champion, an international champion, all these other minor belts. So all the sanctioning organizations have these intercontinental titles, you know, these regional titles. Basically, my point here, maybe this is just a better way to put it, because a lot of you guys are familiar with those titles, right? You'll see a prospect coming up because they had this stuff back decades ago, or you'll be the intercontinental champion, or maybe you're the British champion right? You're the European champion, the Asia Pacific champion, whatever it is. That's basically the level that I view the regular belt, the champion recess, the gold champion, the silver champion. I view it all on that level, right? So, so that's it. That, that's an easy way to put it. That's an easy way to describe this. All right. A few more calls. And then uh, I got to get to this fight preview. So, but let's get to these calls first. All right. 570, you're on the chat. What's up? Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my call. I really enjoyed that last call. It brought back memories of Larry Holmes getting the IBF uh, initial belt because he didn't That's go right. to South Africa to fight Jerry Coetzee, the bionic hand. So great to hear a little history there. Um, your, your rant was right on point. I can't agree more. I'm glad you came out and said something. You know, you have a lot of these people online. They're all hired from Mayweather Promotions. They're going to boxing sites on Facebook. and. Uh, you know, basically calling Tank Davis the champion. And when someone brings up uh, Taylor, they're like, who's that? Who has he fought? He hasn't fought anybody. Um, Tank would smoke him. That's, that's what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of propaganda. And it's nauseating because boxing deserves better. But if we, you know, hold boxing accountable, we're not going to get much in return. So it is what it is. Um, but if we have to make it uh, be that, then obviously it's great when people like you come out and speak up against this uh, propaganda. Because with the media being censored, the real media, it's almost like communist uh, Russia or China, where the, uh, the control you know, is, 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 is with these promoters. Like They could censor whoever and get their, their narrative and propaganda put out by whoever plays ball. Shouldn't have to be that way in America, but we're really backsliding here, aren't we? I mean, well, some, some, look, some promoters angles. get, there, there's an old saying, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. So the smart promoters realize yeah. that even if I'm being critical in saying this isn't really a title fight, uh, this shouldn't belong on pay-per-view. And, and by the way, I said all those things, but I also followed up by saying it's still an intriguing matchup. And I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. I kept saying that. And it ended up being an entertaining fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said there'd be a good crowd in Atlanta, and there was a good crowd. 
So I wasn't just shitting yeah. all over the event. I was just telling the truth about it, but it's still press. I'm still talking about your event. So to blackball rig magazine from the event, and this isn't oh, the first time it's wow. happened yeah. with Mayweather promotions or yeah. PBC. Like that's crazy, dude. That's just crazy. Now they're really sensitive. They're really sensitive people over there. And it makes you wonder because right out, right before, after, I don't know, I think it was like, uh, uh, Boxing Relay put out a soundbite of Leonard Ellerby speaking candidly about the clientele that they're selling to. And they said they don't, like to quote Leonard Ellerby, or to paraphrase, they don't know who Mario Barrios is. Yeah. They don't care. I saw that. They, they just want to see Tank. Right. Right. He's basically telling people that, hey, we're going to take you for fools as long as you get what you want to see and hear. Um, Mayweather said right out, like the other callers said, hey, we're going to keep him in-house. We're not going to let other promoters and other companies make money off of him. They're telling you straight out what their deal is. And Al Heyman mastered this plan. And it goes back to his, uh, him being a CEO of, in the hip-hop industry with one of those record labels. They targeted a specific audience that, let's be honest, Little lower, lower echelon IQ in the uh, the department of uh, you know knowing the realities and and quality, and they're targeting that boxing audience right now, which is fine. Hey, well, look, if look, you're not taking advantage of Thad, someone, someone else will. Fed, who is Triller targeting? Because well, now it's Showtime, but before Triller was putting Logan Paul and guys like that on, so they're they're targeting. Ignorant young MMA kids crew. who watch YouTubers, yeah, MMA, right? So it's it's because I don't want to get stuck on an anti Al Heyman rant here because he's not the only one, but I do. He's sp- not. I understand your point that there's a track record here, and if you bring it up, you're you're labeled a hater or whatever. But it, it's undeniable <laughs> at this point what they're doing over there. It's really undeniable. Yeah, but with Al Heyman. And, and, you know, Triller's doing what they're doing, but they're not interfering with unifications and or the boxing integrity, so to say. Heyman, his industry is, is in fact, he's blackballing a lot of fights from happening. And that's the problem we've been seeing with, with the Fury Wilder scenario. I mean, I could go on and on. That's where I have a problem with it, because now there's a cl- this clouded air of suspicion on who the real champion is right now at 140. And we all know who the real champion is. It should be undisputed because the guy's undisputed. But when you have a class of people now arguing that Tank Davis is the champion at 140, it definitely leads to that problem with Al Heyman and this propaganda that they're putting out, these being title fights, so on and so forth. It's misrepresentation not only for boxing, but for the fighters who actually earn the titles in the ring against the best, like Josh Taylor. If I were Josh Taylor, I would give up that WBA bill right now. I would do a Riddick bow and toss it in the garbage can. Or I would say, hey, get me Tank Davis. If he's the regular champ, I want to fight him right now. No questions asked. Let's get it on the table. 50-50. Let's do it. But I guarantee a Taylor or a Tank Davis will, will hide in Floyd Mayweather's basement and not take that fight. They'll move right down to 135 and fight some other bummer chump. Right off right off the, the scrap heap. 
it's gotten to this point. And yeah, I'm fired up because it's affecting the, it's affecting